You're listening to Voyager Podcast, a show for discovery in Web3, culture, music, tech, and futurism. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. You can find our website at voyagermedia.org. On the show today, Felipe Duarte, artist and activist, host of Mess Adoption Podcast. Originally from Brazil, where he experienced protest movements and social upheaval firsthand, he's been based from Berlin the past four years. Felipe is the main catalyst at Agency, a new media DAO that's just emerging. You can find the project on Twitter, at AgencyDAO, with welcoming content showing how to join this new creative DAO community. Since 2018, Felipe has worked in communications with DAOStack and is the principal designer for DAOFest. That's a series that saw 30 events all over the world by teams connected through FestDAO all since August last year. Felipe also designed the DAO Canvas, an explainer and toolkit for anyone wanting to create a DAO. We recorded this episode on April 18th. It's the first far-ranging conversation about Felipe's career and creative life that he's ever done. Welcome to the show. Well, for me, 2020, and I'm faking no enthusiasm here, has been a total cooler. You know, in poker, we say cooler hand, like when you get dealt a good hand, but then your opponent has like an even better hand and you're dominated and like, it's just a sad situation in general. I was so excited for 2020. There were so many like scheduled uh, workshops all over the world um, with things that I created out of incredible love and everything gets canceled and you lose your job and, blah, and then there's just, just big avalanche. Um, and then it was a big, like, it was an interesting test to my resolve and my, my let's say like self-development and capacity to accept and, and be resilient in the face of loss and, and uncertainty and et cetera. And I think I did quite okay. Um, I'm very lucky to have a nice apartment where I can um, work out and garden. And um, yeah, life went on. Um, I recovered my creativity um, and desire to produce. And after the, the initial shock, um, it has become a very productive time. And yeah. And, also fun in a certain way like you can still have some fun um i think like most other web3 people which i've definitely become over the course of two years um i'm very satisfied in my own home like doing stuff learning stuff creating stuff going from thing to thing um and i'm lucky enough also to have a couple of few people in my life that are willing to come over because i live alone and yeah it's it's of course i wish it was different but we're all, we're, I think like, I've seen so many nice conversations also come out of, of out of these limitations. Um, this is just a rehearsal man. the apocalypse is still to come. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the apocalypse has happened many times before in history, just in like, you know, localized areas and stuff, right? Um, but I can definitely yeah. relate on the idea of like being someone working in the web three space or just anyone who's, pretty used to working from home anyway. Um, the impact's been different for us than for most people who go into an office or do that stuff out in the physical world, more so. Um, but as one of the, whatever the you know, your title is, but one of the creators uh, and, and main uh, energies behind uh, DAOFest and FestDAO and, and all that kind of stuff, um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, how, how's that been for that whole community? Because you have all these amazing uh, events happening all over the world all this kind of stuff. There's a big shift here, I think, uh, for many listeners who aren't uh, familiar with Festal, um, maybe we could speak to a bit about um, what that model looks like and the stuff that that uh, community has been like creating all over the place for the last year or more. Okay, yeah, the Festal is a experiment, an attempt to, um, in the face of incoming massive change in the DAO stack ecosystem and focus, it was an attempt to um, capture the, the fire of or the original Genesis and keep it alive because Genesis in its inception was a great place to, to learn and to grow. It really changed my life. 
and I didn't want, I saw that it, it was going to, to um, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's dead, but it, I saw that it was going to like fade or be tested. And I just, okay, so there's a, there's a flavor here that I want to protect. And after the first Dow Fest, a lot of people were interested. The first Dow Fest that happened in Berlin, 20th of August, um, 20, 19 was that it was just that yeah it wasn't it wasn't that long ago if you think about it yeah um a lot of people wanted to organize dow fests and it it shined obvious to me that we um i'm not sure if you can share you can say it shined obvious in english maybe it's a german thing oh what does it mean yeah well it seemed obvious um right yeah um, it seemed obvious that the right way to go about this was to launch a DAO and allow people to coordinate with the minimum amount of um, central orchestration. And I had a good intuition of what was needed for, for that sort of uh, fire to catch on. Um, we had the DAO canvas to our advantage. Um, we also had, I, I have this talk called Agency Comes of Age, and all of this content could be used by anyone basically to organize events. Uh, that would have their own flavors and their own directions. And they would become platforms for these individual event organizers, creators, speakers, uh, innovators to let themselves then shine through also um, by creating their own experiences. And it started with one in Hamburg done by David the dog, uh, AI specialist and all around great guy and an interesting mind and he was the first one to, to catch on and say, yeah, let's do one in Hamburg. And I went there and I spoke and we did it inside a boat. It was super crazy. That's the giant sailboat. Um, and then Luke showed up and started doing the Netherlands. And, and then I went to DevCon October. I don't know. There's, there's a big like um, ramp up, which ended up um, counting for like, I think 30, 31 events. Um, culminating at ETH Never with a full day of content taking three, two stages and one workshop room. Um, it, was, it was a massive undertaking, um, this one that I faced mostly alone uh, until the day itself. And the day itself, I had a lot of help from the Delfast community. A lot of people traveled to Denver. I don't know. It was just a beautiful story. And when Corona hits, um it's it's very much disassembled and and it needs a pivot um right and there, there is a pivot coming um it's called agency and it's not completely fleshed out and i have this week to to, to flesh out the provocation that i'm going to put out to the world but <clears throat> so if if before we were focused on events and that was the defining, let's say, the, the creative constraint where people could play with. Now our creative constraint is content, media, and storytelling. And my goal, I think, is to turn agency into a creative game where you're, you're not only working, you're developing yourself, your creative capacity. And the way you're going to create for this DAO is going to be via creative prompts coming from in the beginning from me or or from people who are in a catalyst role right and and i'm still designing how this is going to work so stay tuned uh please hit me up at elementary complexity on telegram if it sounds interesting uh, but the idea is that you can earn and learn oh i did that by accident earn and learn that's the model no let me forget this uh, earn and learn. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Is that somebody said that before? They might have. Well, whatever. That's what it's all about. So you're going to basically access your creative desire that has been uh, put in a drawer by life or by your parents or by people who told you you were not good enough. And you're going to um, make money to explore and develop it with support of people who are highly experienced in going through creative challenges, which is what I've done my whole life. And I'm also taking a project out of the drawer um, that is a, a creator support, let's say, framework, uh, not too different from 
well, it is different from the Dow Canvas, but sort of in the same direction, uh, a, a framework that you can navigate to understand who you are as a creator and how to get the most energy out of your subconscious. Um, so I'm thinking of deploying that. And it used to be called Transition. Um, and for a time, my Instagram was called Transition, but then I got a lot of people thinking it was about like sexual transition. And I was like, okay, I, I, wish, it, I wish it was, but it's not. Um, so I'm thinking of renaming it Agency, right? Um, and, and having this as, as being like the, the inner uh, engine of the, the DAO. So what would happen, if, even if you rock up with no idea of what to do, there is a, there is a content, uh, a guiding content where you can use it as a therapeutic pastime of creative exploration that will lead you to actually produce valuable creative content that we can then publish by the DAO and, and use it to leverage more funds and sponsors and blah, blah. So that's the idea. Is it clear enough or I think I ramble a bit? Yeah, no, I, um, we can we can continue to kind of bring it in because I, I think this whole thing is super interesting. Obviously, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks or so along with other people. Um, it's a very interesting concept and idea. I really like it as a pivot for um, FestDAO and that kind of collective moving into, um, you know, this kind of uh, free creation of content in all different kinds of forms. Um, but I think it's interesting in your own kind of journey and what you've been up to, like you've been working around artists and uh, creative projects and, you know, technology and all these kinds of things for many years going, going right back. Um, so I think it's really interesting that you've kind of traveled along and end ended up at this point where um, infrastructure that's enabled by, by DAOs and stuff is now being turned into this straight up creative kind of, uh, I don't know, online virtual hub, whatever words you want to attach to it. I think it's super interesting. Um, I guess like I could ask something like, uh, how do you think like all, all the work that you've been doing over all of these years, um, how does it feel to now have this technical capacity? to create what is like previously you might have been doing, like gathering people in a room regularly to do that kind of stuff, but now it can exist everywhere. It feels fucking fantastic because that's also the reason why I joined, um, like why I dropped everything and um, did, did, did DAOs for the last two years because it, it's a piece of technology that was needed for things that I've done before in my life, including these artistic stuff, but I also had a lot of activistic um, or let's call it inner activism or like self-development activism sort of a thing at, at a house that we had in Brazil that I rented all by myself. And then there was like a bucket where people would put money. And we, it basically was a DAO of home um, that had no declared purpose, no name. You were not allowed to contract uh, responsibilities. So this led like to you, if you see something broken, you fix it. If you see something dirty, you clean it. And if you want to change something from where it is, you just do it. There's no deliberation mechanism. So it was like an, even an anti-DAO. There was no vote. There was nothing. Um, if you ever read the book Walk Away that I shield constantly by Cory Doctorow, there's a space in this book called The Belts and Braces. It's very much that place in real life. It existed. I lived it. And it was amazing. And I, I was Limpopo. I was this character. Everybody should read this book, even though it's like a, just a pulp fiction sci-fi Thing, I think Corey does a great job of making what is leftist porn. If you need leftist porn, that's that's the book for you. If you're into like transhumanism and also all the um, <laughs> like socially progressive thinking, it's a great book. I think it, it's cool what you're describing as well with that house. Like it sounds like the kinds of, I guess like DAO uh, as a concept or how it kind of shows up in real life. It, it sounds like you're describing like the scenario of Burning Man, basically, and that kind of like radical self-reliance. So if you see something, just do it. There's no kind of ownership or leadership. There's no direction, all that kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's the same. I haven't, I, I haven't been to Burning Man and I've always been skeptical that it's actually leaderless, but it, maybe I'm just being an asshole. Oh no, I think, uh, I think another, it's trying to be. That's another victim. That's another victim of 2020. I was going to Burning right. Man this year. You know, I was going, I was like, become friends with, with Griff and then they excited me, Griff and Polina, like they really excited me to go and, oh uh, yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, so um, I, I haven't been to, to um, 
Burning Man in the US either. I went to Africa Burn a couple of years ago. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of been my experience of that kind of thing. But I think we had a very interesting camp as well. And I met a whole lot of Web3 and crypto people there. That's our entire camp was that. There was like 72 uh, people in the camp. But um, I would say it was a very aspirational camp. There was a lot of like experienced burners in there who we were like holding talks at the... The, we had a big tent with like a big DJ stage and a bunch of sort of DJs in our cohort and putting on parties every night. But they're also holding talks about kind of like the philosophy and the, you know, the mind state of, uh, you know, these kind of uh, Dow sort of uh, principles and things like that. And I mean, is there anything, any, any more you can tell us about that house in Brazil? Uh, and I'm also interested to hear at what point um, what uh, saw you travel from there to go and be based over in Berlin like four years ago and what inspired you to go go there? So I think the, the true like genesis story of this all of this is that I created a painting class, <laughs> a painting class that was super weird. Uh, it was called No Sketch Drawing and it was my first project, I say, I think I was like 23 when I created this. And it developed into a full methodology that then developed into this agency thing, which is basically me trying to get the creative principles that we were doing at the painting class and clear the painting away and just focus on um, the creative decision-making side. And it, that can also help like entrepreneurs. You can see it as a coaching methodology more than just arts, you know? Um, so this painting class started attracting a lot of brave people because the class worked basically like this. You always worked straight on the paint. Uh, there was never any um, difference between a preparation stage and a painting stage as people usually have. Like do you sketch and you plan? So, well, you do plan, but you don't. The plan is itself a piece of work, right? So there's a whole philosophy about always working from, like shooting from the hip when you're working. And so from the community that this class created, we, we had a design studio that was a really weird space. It was like a little piece of like wild Brooklyn in the middle of Rio. Um, and it was a funny house with seven rooms or six rooms. And we had like a painting room, um, a, a, a computer room. And then we all lived there and we didn't have like sheets at the time or we didn't have money to eat meat or we didn't have money to like have air conditioning, but we were like, just pumping out a bunch of weird work and having these weird experiences and meditating and doing psychedelics and fucking healing ourselves from, from the trauma of the, of the spaces around us and trying to um, like just forward this vision of a healthy um, future in community or something like this. And that's around when um, I'm giving back the full origin story now. You can stop me whenever you want. No, it's good. No, I'm I'm interested to hear like how it kind of led through and you um, ended up landing in in Berlin and kind of what's the um, and from that point what's the supercut story of the last sort of four years in Berlin since then because you've kind of been uh, in a lot of things. Well, the, the first three years in Berlin were just me failing at joining. Um, the society around me, but I'll get I'll get there, I guess. Um, so this is around the time where Occupy movement started happening, and we had a, a support, a powerful, like important support structure um, role. It's where we our our home was relatively close to the square that was taken over, and our it's where all the lawyers would come to try to get people out of jail when they got arrested, and this led us to being like very connected into like social impact uh, community of the city. And what was beautiful about um, Occupy Movement is that it was what I have, I have a name for these spaces now. It's also what the house is, is what, also what many Burning Man camps are, um, which are spaces of pregnant emptiness. Um, and that's what Occupy was. It, it was a space that resisted uh, ideological coherence that allowed for a multitude of pluridirectional relations, relationships to be formed. And a lot of the projects that were, um, that were born in Brazil afterwards, um, including like the intercept, including the people who have supported um, 
Glenn Greenwald being there and probably his husband who's now, um, I, I probably could trace those relationships. I'm not sure he's now a Senator or a Congressman, I'm not sure. And so this, this was a, a really fertile intercept, like inflection point for a lot of things. But I was also really disappointed um, with the general activists, the, the, the traditional uh, activist role, which was often performed by a privileged person in pursuit of a sort of an internal vanity. Um, very often, not a lot got done. Um, debates on a, on a high cultural note that were not, I, I, was, I didn't go to college, so I was not able to join. Like when people start talking about who the fuck ever, I just like, yeah, fuck you. We'll do something about this. And I felt, I felt, well, I don't want to like be mean to anyone, but I, I felt that not a lot was getting done, right? So then that marked a gradual shift, a gradient shift of my interest from direct action and activism and sort of revolutionary pursuits to what can exist in the cracks? How can we not fight the system, but blossom from the system? And that led into the house that came afterwards. And the house happened because we ran, our contract ran out and we needed a new space for the studio. By the time we're getting older and we're like starting to flirt with ideas of, oh, it would be nice to not live where we work and have a different, uh, <laughs> and have sheets, you know, and, and maybe a candle by the bed and, you know, a proper pillow sometimes. And, you know, I, I can afford a, a conditioning now because I work for um, Sony and fucking shell and our design business was doing good and people were appreciating our psychedelic um, approach and we were having sort of this um, loving relation with clients which is not very normal in the design space where where people actually were hiring us for, for us to be ourselves and we're doing like beer brand cans that are completely psychedelic and like really cool shit started happening you know, I wouldn't say I was rich but I like I, can, I could afford air conditioning um, and we need a new space. So there was some money saved up and we found this beautiful renewed house in Art Nouveau style, 300 square meters. And I was like, okay, cool. Is this gonna be our thing? Is this gonna be a co-working space? Is this gonna be a shared space with other companies? Um, we started playing with these ideas, right? And we invited a bunch of people over to talk about it. And in this conversation, which was really wild happening in the back, way out in the back of our Brooklyn-esque space where we had this sort of, yeah, like a, how do you say, uh, a open little space there where, like a porch, how do you have a back porch or something like this? It had no nature, it's just concrete and I had graffitied the shit out of everything. Some Somebody, we were having all these like high profile discussions about systems thinking and complex dynamics and network effects and blah, 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 blah. And then a dude who's still my friend wrote in a piece of paper, fuck it. And then he wrote under it, the fuck it house. And he's like, what if we built the fuck it house? And I was like, what's the fuck it house, Lucas? And he was like, just, just fuck it, man. Just fuck all this bullshit you guys are talking about, fuck it. And then I proceeded to try to systematize what the fuck it house would be. And that's, and that's what the, the, the three rules were. They came out, right? So then boom, we rent this house. We take all the shit that's left from the studio. Um, we have about three months runaway rent and we go like, let's try this. We designed a couple of posters, like inspirational posters. Uh, I remember one of them was um, a Rudolf Steiner quote saying that um, con the human consciousness is the learning, the learning um, aspect of the world or something like this. The other one was leave the space 10% better than you found it. Um, and the other one was as a guest, be a host. And then <clears throat> we had this bigger poster saying, here's how much the rent is. Here's how much the water is. Here's how much this is <coughs> to a grand total of, um, I at the time was like 8K thousand reais or something. It was equivalent to like having a 2,500 euro home a big, big space and a bucket <laughs> under, under the poster and just like throw money in this bucket. And then we hanged the key in the wall and said, copy this key. And that was it. 
and the three rules were, yeah, the, the space has no name, the name is the address, the space has no design, defined purpose. Um, the second rule was you're not allowed to become responsible for anything. And the third rule is you're not allowed to live here. So you can, you can sleep, we could sleep there. People slept there several times, uh, especially during Carnival, that place was fucking crazy. During the World Cup, that was insane. Um, but you couldn't take like forever residency there because that would offset the usage. That space blew up. That space led to a, a group of 7,000 people on Facebook. Um, uncountable amounts of businesses were open from like shamanic drum building teams to serious um, um, law practices to fucking, like it was crazy. Like, it's amazing what a, a nurturing space of pregnant emptiness can make thrive, right? So this is the baggage actually that I bring when I kind of like have to fend off the calculative desires of our our grant givers, um, because I know I, I have a very keen sense of what makes for this type of emergence. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't even remember how much stuff I have already said, or if it's a coherent stream in any way. It works. Okay. Yeah. All right. So from that house, just to finally give you what you want, um, I remember. Um, so getting back to Burning Man and being quite personal now, I used to date the Brazilian contact for Burning Man. Her, her job was to start Brazilian Burning Man, which never happened. And she, she we, we had the six month uh, beautiful, like affair relationship thing. And I was incredibly, I am still forever incredibly impressed by, by, by this person. Um, what they've achieved and created is, is, was at the time for me unthinkable and she was an international person and i was completely brazil bound and it was a sad point of our relationship to know that she like had all of these connections over the world and a lot of money and we were like too poly and too independent to like really like she would not take me anywhere you know? and then her dad got sick and she had to like go away really fast to miami to to go take care of him and yeah we never saw each other again and that was the last week um, when, when we, still, we still had that week together. And she was in my bed as I got called on Skype by a art residency here in Berlin saying, hey, we heard about this house in Rio. And we also heard that you're an artist. We were looking for somebody who was an artist and a sharing economy specialist to be a part of a residency in Berlin. Um, Do you think it fits you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And they're like, oh, cool, so you're coming on September, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're going to send you the ticket. And then I just got out of the Skype call and started crying like a fucking crazy person because that was unthinkable for me, you know? That's amazing. And yeah, that's how I ended up in Berlin. Well, there's a couple more chapters, but if, well, come on, I'll just, just leave it alone. I, I went, stayed a month and a half, came back, had to apply to another thing. It was, then it started a great journey of like, overcoming just tons of crap that is not as fun to talk about yeah so i guess like shifting into that role in in berlin and all that kind of stuff maybe we can um uh sort of skip along to how did you uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to, to share and uh, and delve into like how you started joining with with dow stack how you kind of um hooked up with that team and you know and and how uh, how that experience has been or some some of the um, the cool shit that you've seen happen uh, through through the Dowstack universe, or any other okay, like cool. kind so of cool I... projects in Berlin in in those years, you know, yeah, leading so leading to where you are now in the in the Web three world. Yeah, I was in Berlin. I was trying to infiltrate the social innovation um, cohorts here, and and failing, failing mostly because social innovation here is something different than what it is in Brazil. Like we have actual social problems to deal with, and here they don't so much. It's more like I'm gonna do design thinking or design sprints for your fancy corporation. And I lived in a state of constant um, fascination and repugnance of what was available. I wanted to be part of that world. I gave talks to BMW and things like this, but I also sort of hated it. And I somehow ended up in, as a member of the board of the collective of design thinkers of Berlin, even though I've never fucking, I can't, I've, I like design thinking. I know a, a, a certain amount of it, 
but I'm also very critical of it. My, my, my background, my training is in um, process work. We call it process consultancy. It comes from a guy called uh, Gehad Shine, and it's about culture work in organizations. It's a very deep work. And the people who trained me also threw a lot of anthroposophy and Hudelsteiner in there, and, which is a weird mystical kind of a thing. And there's Goethe, there's a lot of references. I, I mean, it's super dangerous to let me talk about myself because I can just go fucking hours. Oh, we're fine. About Goethe and, and Terence McKenna and uh, Robert Anton Wilson and the role of like Gonzo stuff and Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah, my, my journey is a, a uh, balancing act on the edge of the holy and the damned. And I, I, I enjoy this. You know, that's why I ended up in Berlin. It's very obvious. This is the city to do this in. Um, but it's okay. I think I think I can do this game with a lot of light. You know, I try. Okay, cool. So then I am in Berlin collaborating with all these weird groups, the cross-modalists, the fucking things, and then that, and feeling like unwelcome, feeling like I don't belong because all of these people traveled all over the world. All these people had like incredible experiences. They were sure of themselves, they were beautiful. I was actually really overweight at the time when I got to Berlin, I was about hundred kilos. Um, so it, it came, became a time of like big transformation and, and just being like unzufrieden uh, unsatisfied with myself. Like the language I was speaking was wrong. I needed to learn German. My body was wrong. I looked wrong. I dressed wrong. I spoke wrong. I felt wrong. Um, and then I embarked in this giant journey while trying to um, become a social innovator here, leaving my, my studio, leaving my two partners, which was a very hurtful thing to do starting business with a German partner that then also didn't pan out. Um, and in the middle of this gigantic storm, a ex-participant of workshops of mine in Brazil calls me. I'm just coming out of, um, uh, I was about to go to some training with the sovereign men people in Lithuania or something like this that I was super excited to. And this dude calls me and says, yo, I'm working for this company. They have this thing called DAOs. Remember, because he did, he went to China with me on that residency. The, there's so many parts of the story that are, are going to go untold. I'm sorry, Nick. It's too much. Like, I had a crazy run. Oh, it's fine. Um, we, we can circle around here and there and do future episodes. And no, basically, this, this, this guy called Eric Rodriguez uh, is a good, great friend of mine. Now he's a ayahuasca shaman in Brazil. He's training to become one, I feel. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but when we met, he was an 18-year-old kid who looked like a member of the One Direction. Like this beautiful little boy from like, he had a perfect little hair. He would never think of doing any drugs. And then he comes to a workshop of mine called B-Sides, where I compare the entrepreneurial drive of um, a scientist, an artist, and an entrepreneur. It was a Steve Jobs. Um, what's the name of the fucking... It's not Kurt Vonnegut. It's it's the guy who wrote Naked Lunch. I forgot his name. Oh, William Burroughs. Yeah, Burroughs. And uh, Alfred Kozibski, which is the creator of General Semantics. Right? And I used I used I used the the so the the workshop was it's called actually Drive. It was part of a bigger course called B-Sides that another guy designed. And I was just giving this one chapter called Drive. It's about drive, like why people do shit. And then in this workshop, people um, developed a revolutionary avatar for themselves and they designed like their secret weapon and their mission and their statement and it was actually the inception of agency if you think about it It was trying to create a experiential way for people to access why they do what they do and what they want to do and what they have been lying to themselves about and what they haven't had the courage to to admit person you know and create a loving container for for this to blossom um and this kid came to this workshop and then came to another workshop, another workshop, another workshop. And he was the only person who read all the books that I've ever recommended. He read all of them. The only amazing. Person. And this dude went, uh, he, he's, he's, he's amazing. He's a great guy. And he started working for Daustech in the community team. And he said, yo, you're there like almost dying in Berlin, bro. You can come work for the Dow. You make your own proposals. You make your own things and you get paid and you can be as creative as you want. And we need all those things that you were doing in Brazil. And I was like, sure, man. Yeah, that thing exists. That's real. 
two months later, I finally looked into it and started working for the DAO full time, which meant me proposing stuff and paying all my bills through the DAO for four months. And eventually DAO stack was like, all right, this kid seems uh, excited. Let's give him something to do. And that was the book, the centralized thriving um, was the first project. And that was from end of 2018 to beginning of 2019. And that's when I start working for DAO stack. I sort of infiltrated. I was never too desired. I was just like, I found my way in to the communications team. And which led to a beautiful relationship with my direct boss at the time, Patrick Rossi. And he at, the, at first was like, who is this fucking insane Brazilian dude? Why do I have to work with him? Why did we give him this book? But then he really liked the book. And he was really impressed that he didn't really have to talk to me that much during the process. Like, well, you did this whole thing and like you costed me like no attention. This is really cool. And then he started trusting me giantly and he protected the, the Daofest um, idea from, from inception till, till manifestation. He was the, the, the protector. Yeah, I mean, th this is something that potentially um, some some listeners right now uh, right now will will know from experience, but for other people, it could be a totally new concept. The fact that um, with something like Dow Stack or many of these Web three companies, like if you just show up and just be doing shit and uh, bringing value and energy and uh, and good feeling to some of these projects, you can absolutely get hired by them, or else. Uh, just no, but I, I think work, this is work, true. Yeah, work your way into any the industry in, in general. Right? It is totally. Yeah, yeah. I think this is true for any company in the world, and and to my uh, detriment, I did it because I was desperate to pay my bills. Right, I was. I had this investment that was running out, and I needed to get shit done. Um, the first project I did for Dustack was actually for hire. I cut a video for them. Um, you can also still find it on. Uh, it was very cheaply done. Very like simple work done in a hurry um there's basically interviews with the founders and what they thought would be good proposals it's called call for, call for proposals and there's natalia smiling beautifully there and then all the all the nice people um and many of the things that i worked on afterwards uh dow canvas um pedal which is the dow explorer that i cannot talk about sorry uh, right now, because it doesn't exist yet, but it needs to exist. Um, a lot of these ideas came from what was in this video, this call for proposals. And at the time, Genesis was a very fruitful space where a lot of people who went on to work with big things um, were collaborating and where I met most of my teachers and mentors of the Web3 space. Um, so yeah, so I did the video and then I did uh, a painting of Vitalik to raffle out that was printed in like a glisse high quality print. And then we did other videos, the onboarding video we did, um, Dow Canvas was from that time. So it's so many things. Um, it was a very, very creative time. And a lot of like Dow ideas that are now commonplace to all of us were, were born out of that interaction. And, and it's taken for granted at the moment, I, I feel. Sadly. Um, what would be your, your read on the kind of, as of now, um, April heading into May 2020, like uh, what's your current feel of the, the DAO uh, multiverse? What's the energy out there? What are some like cool um, things that are happening in that space right now? How do you feel like the, the vibe is overall? You know, are people as hyped about it as they were a year ago? Um, you know, what made I, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Yeah. I, I, I've been, I've been co-opted, embraced, and nurtured by the Meta Cartel. And um, I've been privy to the inner conversations. And I'm super impressed by that group of people. I'm so happy to be able to be shared in space with them, if, even if I can't give it as much attention as, as I, I wished. Um, I think with the version two of Moloch that's coming out, we might be looking at something very special. It starts to integrate some of the more um, collaborative, cooperative um, possibilities of a DAO stack DAO into what is already like um, successful in terms of adoption Moloch framework. Um, it's going, it, the front end is being worked by the Raid Guild. I think they're doing a great job. And the speed of development and the style of development, which is very like, so the problem is that DAO stack and Aragon, they 
are leaning more towards uh, the cathedral than the bazaar. And what the Moloch ecosystem with Medicartel and then all of the other groups that are just, just pumping shit out, they are embracing the bazaar in an in a, in a explosive way. If you haven't read this text, maybe take a look at it. It's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, yeah, like the lis listener, just Google the cathedral and the bazaar, and and it's just just this dichotomy between two models of producing software, basically. Uh, one being the hyper-connective, open-source, uh, ill-planned, fumble and tumble process of random encounters, and the other one is a highly planned, capital-intensive, um, cascading, waterfally fucking linear uh and and it's clearly being outpaced like moloch was the latest to the game and they, they there is no core team there it's it's it comes imbued with a beatnik revolutionary desire and and like the name itself is an allusion to to the the poem of the howl you know moloch moloch whose blood runs money it's it's fucking great I mean, I couldn't profess as a as a DevSec employee. I sh I sh I shan't. I should not at the time be too too excited about it. Uh, but from the moment I saw it, um, although I think it's bad branding to have a demon everywhere, maybe. Um, I I was really excited about it because I've I'm I'm that guy. I'm that beatnik asshole um, poet. Uh, late night drinker, professor of prophecies. That's the archetype. I can't help it. That's how, how I was born. So yeah, I'm, I'm more hot than ever. Did I answer the question? I don't know. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen a anti-incentive, like it's really hard to coordinate or to align incentives between co-founders and communities. And it's, it's very clear that things that don't have founders do better. <laughs> or that founders know how to become non-founders and, and to become undone in the community. That that skill has no name yet. Maybe I should name it because it's essential. Yeah, I, I think a good example of it um, is something like uh, AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous and models like this. There is no- just... I, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to not know a lot about the organizational model of the AA yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to place the book that I read about it in, um, Anyway, but yeah, it was kind of exploring. It's it's almost like a, it's an anarchist kind of model, right? Like you just kind of have it out there. Anyone can pick it up, use it. Um, it's a Festal sort of model, you know? Um, oh, yeah. So AA is a DAO. And, and I think, um, yeah, like all, all this kind of stuff, it feels like, I mean, imagine if we'd had some of this um, uh, ability or tech-enabled ability to coordinate things like that back in the 60s and 70s or earlier like previous yeah. counterculture movements, but us now at this time of like complete global uh, change, unprecedented change or new and, and novel form of it um, that we're all living right now, um, we have these incredible tools to coordinate, to create capital out of thin air, to do some of the um, you know chicanery that previously you needed, I don't know, industrial capital to go and do, but now we can just create this shit out of thin air. That's so much of what I think like, uh, I guess like my, my background being in uh, the creative world and musicians and all that, that's my kind of thing coming from Sydney in, in Australia. Mm -hmm. Similar kind of thing, like what really got me um, excited and getting into the Web3 space was you could just see the potential of it um, and the kinds of things that this can enable and, and create and produce into the universe. And it's so necessary. And I feel like right now DAOs are about the most interesting um, you know, appearance of that or potential of that. And a lot of the coolest shit that's happening in the industry is exactly there. And some of it's being, uh, yeah, enabled by DAOs, um, you know, companies without founders or however you want to, you know, position that. Well, but uh, a lot of them still have like, you know, it's, 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 yeah. it's this balancing <laughs> no, act between, it's the balancing act. It's, it, it needs a name. It needs a name. The capacity of the founder to become undone into the thing and become yeah. one of, you know, it's like dissolving into it, but it's kind of like you want to you want to have like a hot air balloon, and you want to cut the cut the rope so the hot air balloon will float off, without you know, uh, a leader on board. 
That sounds dangerous. <laughs> no, I don't know. All hot air balloons are a joke and a mistake. Yeah. We, well, I don't know. The thing is, one of the things I think is important is like we should get less excited about DAOs and more excited about the communities and their goals themselves. Right? Sure. We're, so as as also we should we're not like oh man that's a great LLC oh LLCs are so cool like no fuck man that's not what it's about you know. It's what the company is doing. We have the, the Teslas and we have the shells, you know? So we, we are this group of early adopter nerds who are excited about the organizational model for itself. But this is not what's relevant to the world. We need to grow out of this shit. Or, or grow with this shit, not out of it. But, but to actually get excited about the, the purpose, specific purpose of, of the, the interaction and what's being done and actually do more of that you know, um, it was really frustrating during my time at DAOSTEC that a lot of the DAO specialists that were writing articles about the, the everything, they actually weren't using it or even interested in using it or knew how to even like propose or redeem a proposal or things like this, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a space that is for good and bad, full of demagoguery. Um, and I appreciate people like Peter when he says like, shut up and ship, you know, and and I say this as a demagogue, as somebody who likes speaking a lot and who likes um, doing a lot of um, semantic acro acrobacy. How do you say that in English? Uh, acrobatics. 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 Yeah. So I, I, I enjoy doing semantic acrobatics as much as, as any uh, beatnik. Leo beatnik asshole. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but in the end, like, that's not the right approach. The right approach is like, how has your activities touched people today? And then you do that assessment before bed and try to visualize a silver uh, pyramid and wake up the next day and keep, keep on going, you know? The pain of this moment to be too excited on how much of a helping hand it is for and is not only like necessary but cool it helps right but i'm i'm not going to sound too happy about it there's immense pain everywhere <laughs> and i'm very aware of it um but no <laughs> no no but yeah i understand this i just i just i just yeah i just wanted to acknowledge like that it's the world's growing pains and, and yes, let's try to get like some flowers to grow out of this uh, bed of manure. Yeah, um, I mean, you're not wrong though, but with musicians and, and things like that, not being able to play live shows or, you know, live arts and like, I'm, I'm based out here in Australia. So, and I'm sure it's um, the case everywhere, the kind of creative arts and music community uh, and live event space getting absolutely crushed um, right now. And so, yeah because one out of like half people is a DJ, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, and, and people are like, my, I have uh, neighbors right upstairs who are very worried and they, because they live this weird Berlin life, they, we, Germany has been very generous with a subsidy that if you are a, um, how do you say, a Freiberufler, some, like a, liberal professionals, is that what you say? Um, somebody who works for themselves in some way, blah, blah, blah. you can get money from the government. Um, and it's good money. Like I was able to get my salary for three months um, from the government. Um, no questions asked, right? This is very special for, for Germany. And, but because they are these like informal workers of the cultural sector, they're not eligible for anything. And I'm thinking of maybe like sharing a piece of my grant with them because, you know, they're just like dying on the vine there. And these are already like fragile personalities as it is, maybe using a little too much drugs, maybe indulging too much into creative uh, perusal, you know? They're not the most practical of people uh, in the best of days. And <laughs> this hits them pretty hard.
to the top lately is um, people talking about like the economic disparity between uh, I suppose um, more privileged like professionals generally speaking who can work from home and therefore can socially distance and hunker down and shut themselves away um, and so and, and or like we probably all have friends who've like lost work right now uh, and all that kind of stuff and having to pivot and look for a new income and, and all that how do I create uh, online and exchange online we'll do that stuff remotely um, and th the more that we kind of grow uh, that ecosystem and culture and enable that shit to happen um, should really be happening because like to be totally real like we might see a few waves of this you know health related um, lockdown sort of scenario or hindrance of like getting out into physical spaces and stuff like that um, and I guess you know not to be definitely not being happy about it but from that kind of uh, pressure, um, no doubt we'll see a whole lot of innovation and you know evolution and social change at a, at a very rapid pace. Pandemic. Yeah, just this pandemic might have like waves, you know, and then there might be other pandemics. And and yeah, I I try not to um, give in to my darkest of thoughts at the moment. Um, I'm also staying like completely sober throughout this i don't want to get any special insight from the realms of the machine elves because um it's 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 a time for for sobriety and and reflection because what what i hope comes out of this um and i know it sounds cheesy but i think it's it's it gets a bad rep which is the capacity to access generosity and to understand like sharing, I'm I'm a, I'm a sharing economy guy. That's inevitable. I'm a gift economy fucking uh, proponent, and of course, our beautiful digital platforms, Airbnb, and all the, the the other versions of this, and Uber, they they sort of created this sort of capitalist, intelligent compromise that makes my life. I use Uber so often; it's shameful. In the bike, the scooter, the 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 car, you know? Um, so I'm really glad that there's like this push for a more naive business model. And then there's this sort of market driven understanding and compromise. And then I think this, this negotiation, this dialogue will keep moving forth. And I, and I, and I really hope that with these new technologies that we have and the new challenges that we have, we find a new vocabulary of generosity somehow, which is happening in governments in some places, but I, 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 I'm, really, I'm really excited about interpersonal generosity. And just the type of conversation that we're having now, like the level of how much I shared with you and we just met like two weeks ago or something. Um, moment of deeper reflection and assessment that yeah. we're forced into. Um, yeah, I'm, I will not lie. My heart is really heavy. I can I can laugh and I can have fun and I'm doing okay in my bubble. Um, I'm thriving, I would say. I, like I was desperate there for a little bit with no job, etc. But then it, I looked inside, I looked at what was important to me. I took action and it worked. Great. Mm -hmm. I hope everybody can do that, but who knows, you know? And, but yeah, I definitely am walking around with a heavy heart. A little bit for the whole thing yeah you know? of course yeah I, I, wish, I, I wish i could say i wish i had like a second comment to make but no it's like it is a, let's all allow ourselves to have a heavy heart for a second yeah i i agree and i think it is that simple it is that human um it kind of is what it is a kind of it's a quiet kind of thing and like earlier this year in australia we were experiencing a different um, kind of emergency, which was bushfires all over the, the fires, country. Yeah. And it was a similar experience before this one kicked off where it was sort of the only topic of conversation to the point that you barely started to talk about it after a while. But, you know, you'd be out at a cafe or the fires were happening over Christmas, so connecting with family and everything. And it's kind of, you can't help that, you know, I'm seeing my uncle who I haven't seen in six months. And you're like, so these fires are pretty crazy, hey? Like, what else? Like, what, yeah. what else are you talking about at the time? And... <laughs> You know, and, and it, it's pervasive. It's it's a constant thing that's happening. And, um, you know, if you tune into Twitter and you have that news coming through, that input, 
I mean, I've I've definitely been finding that I, I have to have different ways of managing it and how it's coming in. Sometimes I'm more like, okay, cool, let's jump into this. I, I'm interested or uh, feel like I would like to know more about what's going on um, and keeping track of what's happening around the world. But also sometimes I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not sure I'm going to have a look for a couple of days. Like you need to give yourself some time and kind of, you know, and, and manage it because, yeah, man, there's been some really, really sad stuff um, going on this year. There's been a lot. It's a lot to manage. And at the same time, to be sort of, um, you know, looking to keep working on stuff or, you know, being able to find that push to like keep being creative and an experience that I've been hearing from um, from various people or writers is one case. It's like there's a lot of writers who are like, yeah, I'm just not doing so much work right now. Like everyone's, you know, we're having to kind of take a second um, and just kind of breathe and just be be with it. That the relaxing, to be honest, um, but I do think that any, everyone should. Um, also, it's my way of coping. Um, like hammering shit out is my way of coping. Um, definitely, definitely, I've created I've created the most in my life in the saddest times. So I guess I think in a more generational sense, um, I, I I'm I've been one to indulge in apocalyptic thoughts since a young age okay so please bear with me but i think that learning how to manage and and thrive through disaster whenever possible is going to be the skill of our generation because before it gets better it's going to get worse you know and we've kind of had we've had a few i mean one thing i saw today it's on it's on my desktop computer right now uh, i'll share it with you later man um it's just a a meme essentially it's like hey how about we flatten this curve next and it's just they're quick carving out like a big spiking vertical thing that's capitalism there's the line going across the earth's capacity and at the bottom it's resource-based economy it's like we need to you know, the the climate yeah. thing is a whole other deal that we kind of have on the horizon or it's happening right now. Um, so, you know, a, another thing to think about and, and seek to start pushing that in the right direction as well. This in the agency come of age talk, I think. The, the first true revolution uh, in history, which is um, a, a true change in the pyramid of power because mostly throughout history, we had this like 1%, 15%, 80-ish percent distribution. Um, and right now, there's so much accumulated at the top. It's the, you have the 1% of the 1% that hold, uh, I think something like 30, 40% of all the capital in the world. Um, so either we have to make this, <laughs> this capital disappear in a sense of, of clearly how fictitious it is, yeah, I'm not going to go into this, but it's truly like the first revolution. And we should definitely, there's definitely a correlation between what's coming and, and billionaire circles, people like prep, prepper, prepping, prepping is a very welcome conversation. They're having fucking conferences about this, you know? Um, I mean, printing, printing $6 trillion will help to uh, show people how... Um, imagined it is. Here we go, $6 trillion, yeah. boom. Um, there's been like posts online of people going, cool, so why do I pay taxes? Why do you need my money if you can just e create money? What's going yeah. on? And, and where do you think that fiction, that new fictional money is going to end up anyway? Oh, it already has. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. going straight to large no, corporations. No, but even, even, the one that, even the one that came to me, like, they they they've built sinkholes all over society to suck it up like yeah how much money have i got have i given to amazon since all of this started i'm buying fucking shampoo off of amazon you know um but in a in a lighter note so we can end this in a beautiful way in case you're a creator and you want to change the world in some way there's only one imperative that will never fail show your love now for whoever it is just take a moment every day to think of three people and just like send them love in some way you know um because well that's also like look let me let's fucking 
uh, showed this again, read Walkaway. It's about this. It's, a, it's really about what we're living now. It's really funny. I read it last year and uh, around this time. <laughs> it's just so funny how it fits into everything. <clears throat> yeah, we have to re-understand humanity together. And I'm, I'm really fearful for the diminishing of love and connection in society and the, and the willingness of being together in, in these things. Um, and in my side, I'm not going to let it happen. Like I, even if the group becomes smaller, I want the intensity of love to become stronger. Visit voyagermedia.org for more from this episode with links to agency, mass adoption podcast, FestDAO, and DAO resources. Subscribe to Voyager on your podcast app. If you're someone who likes to share content with friends or on social media, we appreciate any support like that for this show to help us reach more listeners into the future. We'll be exploring all things in Web3, creative tech, the counterculture, music, and futurism.